Welcome everybody to Circle Back to You with my main man, Asif Ali. How you doing, brother? I got one question for you today, Jay Will. Yes, sir. How about them cowboys? <laughs> <laughs> them cowboys are hurting. <laughs> you know, I just, man, that was a great game last night. I mean, that was, for all the naysayers, for Brock Purdy, for Christian McCaffrey, for the offense, for Kyle Shanahan, and for the for the strength of schedule of the 49ers, that was pretty much the game I needed to see. That's what the critics needed to see. That, to me, was really just a wire-to-wire masterclass performance by the 49ers. I mean, you talk about Nick Bosa, Fred Warner punching out the ball. You know, I mean, you got, you know, how many turn through it? You know, the three interceptions from the secondary, that's what I needed to see. You know, um, there was a there was a play where you know um, where Isaiah Oliver got burned, but I'm not even sure if that was his assignment. You know, on that Turpin t- touchdown reception from Dak, but that was Dak's only good throw, you know, of the whole night. But Brock Purdy made made I want to say six really impressive throws last night, and especially on prime time, you know, where basically everyone was saying, you know, Brock Purdy's a system quarterback. Brock Purdy cannot, you know, win. I mean. He has won, you know, in the playoffs, but not necessarily, you know, in like prime time, so to speak. Right. And obviously last night being like Brock Perry's first exposure to prime time on Sunday night football outside Thursday night football this past year against the Giants, as well as last year against the Seahawks, you know, Brock, you know, Brock, I mean, is he's magical. I mean, it's just, I mean, obviously like, you know, the, the, there was, there was some copycat elements to the playbook. I'm not going to, you know, completely say it was all, you know, hundred percent innovative. Right. I mean, they, they, they stole the lines play the trick play of like, you know, the flea flicker, you know, from, from C-Mac, you know, the, to Mason or, or Debo, then back to Purdy and then Purdy found Kittle. Kittle took it down to the house. Kittle, obviously for all the fancy owners who had Kittle, they obviously must've had a field day, right. With three touchdowns, the hat trick. Brock Purdy, obviously, like I said, 250 yards, right? I mean, three, four touchdowns, no picks. You know, I mean, he's uh, – and the Niners are obviously the best team in the NFL by by point differential for undefeated teams besides the Eagles, who they lost to last year um, in the postseason. And, I'll, and we're going to preview that matchup because, like I said so many times before on our show in previous weeks, you know, obviously we took off last week, and, and that was by design. I wanted to wait until this week to really kind of get into it. This was the game I was looking forward to, and I have my calendar circled for it. This game, and obviously the game against Philly um, in Week 12, because of the fact that the Niners and and the Cowboys are Cowboys with with everything said and all the clowning that everyone's doing on on, on national media, you know, and and rightfully so. I mean, because a lot of it's you know self inflicted. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I will say the Cowboys are still a top five team in the NFC. Um, but I will put the Lions ahead of them just because you know how how well the Lions have played. Um, obviously beating your Falcons, I'm sure that's a little sore, but you know, yes, sir. It up. <laughs> you know, but I mean, the Lions are good. Um, obviously, if Eagles, right, defending NFC champs and Niners, NFC championship game runner ups, who are both you know undefeated. I, I put all three teams about ahead of Dallas. Dallas can maybe there could be there could be a fourth spot or a fifth spot. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure who really who else really there is in the NFC. Obviously, the Saints were kind of good yesterday, but they have they've been so inconsistent this year. I can't I can't gauge them. You know, I mean, you know, and so, I mean, and, and it is what it is. I think with all things said and done, um, it was, it was, it was a great game and a great performance by the Niners. Um, you know, they're able to basically score more points against Dallas than Dallas had allowed in their first four weeks combined from all four of the opponents in the first four weeks. Um, and obviously, like I said, you know, just a masterclass across the board. And the best part of last night's win was basically Christian McCaffrey having an off day 
that's why Brock was able to go out and show what he could do um, against, you know, this Dallas team when he has to put the team on his back. And obviously, you know, I think, you know, moving forward, I think, you know, this is this is a huge confidence builder for a, still a very young quarterback in Brock Purdy, who's only 23 years old. I mean, this is basically now, I mean, he only played eight games last year, right, in the regular season before he basically, you know, uh, took took the helm in the postseason and he played three postseason games, right, uh, and ultimately going two and one. Um and now, obviously, going five and zero. So, I mean, it's 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 remarkable to see, you know, how the last pick in Mister Love in the draft can can pick up and adapt to a playbook. But you know, people have all said Herman Herm Edwards was on ESPN saying today uh, that you know he recruited Brock, you know, uh, when he was coaching at, at the head coach at Arizona State, and he loved and he met and he met Brock's parents, you know, great family, all that good stuff, you know, great character, great, you know, everything that you look for, you know, in a prospect. With that said. You know, I think Brock, you know, had played a lot of snaps, you know, at Iowa State and that helped prepare him for the next level. And I think that should be, you know, indicative of anyone who's sleeping on these these kids at, at these other D1 schools. You know, just because you don't play in the SEC out of Alabama or let's say a Colorado or what have you, if you're not sure to standards or Caleb Williams, you could, there's still a lot of un, un like, you know, I want to say uncut or basically, you know, uh, hidden and or like or like undiscovered gems out there. Um, and so with that said, you know, the Niners, you know, great game, you know, in my opinion now, they are the undoubted, undisputed number one team uh, in the NFL. They are now Vegas has now has them as a favorite to win the Super Bowl. Um, we'll see if they stay healthy. That's usually obviously the biggest concern. I want to also say, you know, the free agent acquisition of, of, of Javon Hargrave has been monumental, not just in the pass rush game, but also in the run in the run game how he's been able to stop, you know, he was able to swallow totally Tony Pollard and whoever else Dallas threw their way, you know, behind their that big offensive line. And obviously the Niners front four were able to get after that, the Dallas offensive line, which is continued, which is basically the most vaunted offensive line, quote unquote, in the NFC besides maybe Philadelphia um, and San Francisco with this, with that say of, of basically Tyron Smith finally having hit the best full lineup of fully healthy um, you know, with him in that offensive line. So, you know, obviously, you know, I, I do have a lot of friends who are Dallas fans. You know, I had to take this and talk my shit. So I appreciate you all for, you know, <laughs> bearing with me and be, be, me being a surfable on this Monday. But, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, that said, I mean, it's just it's a confidence builder for the Niners. Um, and, you know, I mean, they can only go up from here on out. Um, a few games which they have to look out for, I think. You know, the Bengals look good yesterday, and we'll probably talk about them in a bit. But, you know, they're going to have to go play at Cincinnati. They're going to have to go play at Jacksonville. They're going to have to go play, you know, so it, it's, there's no gimmies, I want to say, but that's not to say that the Niners are not undisputedly better than the older opponents with the exception of say, maybe a Philadelphia. I, I think with that said, you know, the Niners are obviously in a much better position now than they were last year. Now that they have someone, you know, to basically pull the trigger, you know, at, at the quarterback spot. You know, I have one question about last night's game, man. Okay. Prior to last night, everybody talked about how strong the defense from Dallas was what mm -hmm. happened to the defense last night? You know, I think the problem with Dallas's defense, and this is why everyone is basically tearing up Dan Quinn on sports talk, you know, radio and on ESPN and what have you, they're, they're ripping Dan Quinn apart because of the fact that, you know, Dan Quinn is a supposed defensive mind, this guru who actually was Kyle's boss when they were both at that stadium behind you, the Mercedes Benz Superdome in Atlanta, right? right? Before Kyle took the head coaching job and, and and they made a Super Bowl together, um, you know, back in you know 2017 against the Patriots. So I, I feel like you know Dan Quinn has a lot of clout in this league for being the the Super Bowl champion defensive coordinator of Seattle Seahawks and being able to, you know, also bring a team to the Super Bowl with Matt Ryan. However, the issue with that 
is that, you know, some of his schemes and some of his, you know, plays, they don't mesh well with the talent. You know, that was some that was an issue I basically had with Steve Wilkes the first couple weeks. Because I think Steve, you know, stepping into to, to, to that DC role, which basically D'Amico left, you know, which is a huge, which are huge shoes to fill, honestly, from both Coach Sala, who are now, who's now in, you know, New York, and obviously D'Amico, who's now in Houston with basically what's looking like a superstar quarterback in, in, in Caleb Stroud. Um, sorry, CJ Stroud, not Caleb Stroud. Um, I think now, obviously, like, you know, with, with Dan Quinn's scheme, there were some issues with the personnel and those adjustments. And I think that, you know, the Niners just out physical, the, the Dallas Cowboys defensive, you know, for, I want to say the front four. That's not to say the front four weren't get wasn't getting up to Brock Brock. I mean, I did see a lot of batted down passes. I did see some good run stops from Leighton Vanderesh from Micah, you know, who made it uncomfortable. So Chris c couldn't get going, but you know, when it came to the passing game, that's just that untapped element, you know, which the Niners were lacking before Brock Purdy is just so good at getting the ball where it needed, where it needs to go. I remember he gave those one pass. It looked like it was going to Ayuk and ended up going to Debo who's cutting across, you know, this is the middle of the field in front of Ayuk and, and, and the Dallas, I don't know if it was Leighton Vanderish, someone else was, was trying to get their hands up. It looked like they were in perfect position to pick it off, but it sailed right over them into the hands of Debo who basically picked up a 22 yard gain. And I want to say there's around 20 air yards on that ball. Right. All right. So I want to say maybe like around 25, 27 yards, you know, all, all, you know, all yards considered. Brock Purdy is literally the X factor. And, you know, he just proved it last night. The Niners offensive system, Kyle Shanahan is 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 so well at preparing the, these guys, especially against that Dallas. You know, I think Kyle Shanahan is undefeated against Dallas in his tenure as head coach for the Niners. I mean, he knows his defense well. He knows he knows the schemes well. I mean, it's and, and I mean it's not necessarily. I mean, it is on the defense for not being able to, you know, uh, on Dallas for basically not getting it together. But I mean, three interceptions from Dak doesn't help you out at all. You know, on the other side of the ball, right? Three interceptions from Dak and obviously a lack of a ground game when the Niners were able to still get 170 yards on the ground with C-Mac maybe having like 70 yards on the day, around 3.6 yards per carry, which is horrible by C or 3.3 yards per carry, which is horrible by C-Mac standards. I mean that to me is 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 it, it tells it tells the tale of obviously what was the difference maker. It really was the quarterback, and like I'm just gonna keep harping on this. Talking heads and media's like Dan Orlovsky said, "Oh, you insert Mac Jones into Kyle Shanahan's system, he'll be just he'll become the next Brock Purdy." Rex Ryan checked him real quick and said, "No, no, no." Like you know, what Brock Purdy is doing, we've never seen before because we've never seen this before. We've never seen a, a, the last pick in the draft. Step into the starting role of of of, court, of quarterback and basically just take the team, you know, the distance. I mean, the Brock's Brock's ability to process and make decisions and his ability to read defenses as well as his touch on the ball, which is so nice. He's just phenomenal and how he impacts the game. He doesn't have the strongest arm, which basically is 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 the biggest knock on him. But what you lack in physical strength, you can make up in the intangibles. Meaning, what's up here? And Brock is basically, you know, the one of the top, if not the top quarterback right now, you know, in processing. Um, in my opinion, he's a front runner for MVP and, and it was on full display last night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those who say that he doesn't have a strong arm, though, I mean, I saw several long 20 yard passes with pinpoint accuracy. You've got to right. have some strength behind that to do that. I mean, and you know, that's the again the accuracy, right? What did Jimmy lack? Jimmy was not an accurate quarterback, he was able to dink and dunk. Alex Smith as well was not an accurate quarterback. He was able to dink and dunk. And I mean, I, that that's my opinion. Kaepernick, you know, was a, had a strong, like a cannon arm, but he had no accuracy. So that's why I, you know, I'm keep harping on that fact. CJ Beathard was not just didn't fit with Kyle's scheme. 
Um, Nick Mullins, you know, wasn't really a good fit. So, I mean, I've gone through the whole kind of laundry list of quarterbacks <laughs> on the Niners from like 2010 or 2005 when Alex Smith was drafted until present the post Steve Young and Jeff Garcia era, right? Which I was, you know, alive for for the majority of my childhood as well as my early, you know, adolescence. Um, I really think that, you know, this this Niners team has finally found their signal caller, right? And I, like you said, Brock Purdy is something which we've never seen before because we've never seen a quarterback with his kind of, I want to say, I'm not going to say undersized, but, you know, he's not the prototypical build of a quarterback. He's not 6'2", 6'3". He's not 230, 245, you know. He's about 6'1", on a good day, around 215, 220 listed. And, um, you know, he's, uh, but he's able to, he's able to, 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 to lead his team to wins. It's, and a lot of it is him, you know, obviously, and I, I want to say, you know, my, my buddy sent me a video prior to the Dallas game, TJ, um, sorry, not TJ, Michael Robinson of the Seahawks, you know, the real Rob report, as well as I, I want to say more Reese Jones drew, or maybe it was LT Ladane Thompson. They're basically kind of breaking down how Kyle's blocking scheme helps block, uh, help helps Brock out a lot. But basically how he sets the blockers, you know, in, in certain positions. So that way it sets up the run game in case, in case, in case the, the pass is not there. But Brock is able to see past the first and second read when it's just taken away. And he's able to make the most out of nothing, you know. And that, to me, is really the key strength of his, right? Um, you know, you look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady did not have the strongest arm. I want to say his first, like, five years when he won three Super Bowl championships, he maybe averaged around 28 touchdowns and maybe like around 2,800 to 3,000 yards a year, right? I mean, maybe 25 touchdowns a year. So, you know, you don't need to – I mean, obviously the league has changed since then. I want to say since the last 13 years, since 2010, you know, the league has shifted to a more offensive-driven league, right? It, the, the the rules favor the offensive players as, as the league has shifted to player safety. That's just the, true, the reality of it, right? But with that said, you know, Brock Purdy is defying all of what you would expect from a prototypical NFL starting quarterback. And like you said, the strength is there and the accuracy is there. That accuracy and the decision making, everything that you want your quarterback to have, he has it. And I don't know how so many teams missed out on this prospect, but I am damn happy that the Niners were able to pick him up. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So that's pretty much my take on the Niners win and where we're headed. Um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely, but you know, Richard Sherman, basically back to your question about the defense, Richard Sherman said this best Dan Quinn, when he had the, when he had the Seahawks back in the 2013, 2014, the, the Seahawks had killers on all sides of the ball, right? On each position, every position that you can think of on defense at corner at safety, right? They had the Legion of boom. They had Michael Bennett in the front four. They had Bobby Wagner as their Mike linebacker. They had KJ, right? Multi-time pro bowlers, Bruce Irvin, and, and, you know, multi-time, you know, NFL multi-year starters who were based. That was a historic defense. That's why Dan Quinn, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say, you know, that he, he wasn't, he didn't have a, he didn't have a hand in it, but Gus Bradley had, had, had a huge hand in assembling that defense. And Dan Quinn was able to kind of step in and, you know, take the Ferrari and basically drive it, you know, past the finish line. Right. But I want to say, like, with the Cowboys missing Trayvon Diggs, uh, as well as, you know, because, you know, that, that, that's a huge loss, right? I mean, he's arguably their best player outside of Micah Parsons on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they're missing him, and they don't have a complete defense in the sense that I don't know who's their next best corner. I don't know who their next best safety is, right? I know who their, their front four is. I know who Micah is. I know who Leighton Vanderish is, right? Wolf, Wolf Hunter, right? But so you know who the linebacking core, you know, the front four. That was actually one of the one of the Achilles heels on Niners for some time. You know, there was kind of like that lack in secondary, but now that they have Deshaun Gibson, who's a great, you know, safety who can hit. Um, Isaiah Oliver has has proven to be a great fit. 
there isn't any real kind of household names at the corner or the secondary position of the Niners, but everyone else, I mean, Fred Warner, um, gosh, I mean, Dre Greenlaw, right? I mean, then you got to talk about Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, right? These are some, these are some Titans, right? So all that, all that to say, basically, the Niners are in a position now to make a run and to make make a very long run, which we haven't seen in 29 years. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see how, how far Brock goes and I hope Brock can get the MVP. Well, I think that this is probably one of the best years and probably uh, one of the best opportunities that San yeah. Fran has to go to the Super Bowl and actually win it. And the reason why I agree with you is because look at the NFC outside of Philly. Who, I mean, who are you going with? I mean, that to, to really say the decided number one. That's why Niners are now Vegas's betting odds to basically take the Super Bowl because Casey has looked unimpressive all year. Obviously, Casey's a second half team. It's still early, so you can never count them out. We talk, we 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 harp, we heap praise on Patrick Mahomes on our last episode, right? About the quarterback documentary, played through his injury, all that stuff. Best player in the NFL, right? Obviously, right? I mean, the once in generational type QB. But every dog has his day, you know. I'm not saying Brock Purdy can win multiple, but if, like you said, if all stars align, guys are healthy, which which right now they are, and they're able to maintain that through the course of the regular season, through the course of the course of the postseason, lock up that number one seed, right? Which is still an if because Phil the Philly's still right there with them, right? But if they're able, if, if everything goes right and they're able to kind of you know have the right matchup. You know, the only thing I'm not confident, or I guess I still have to see, is how they'll match up with Kansas City. That's the only thing, you know, I'm, I'm honest to God truth as an Irish fan. But with that said, Kansas has, Casey has not looked that impressive this year. Um, you know, they, you saw how they played against Minnesota. Many, many basically had a chance to, you know, beat them and, or at least take the overtime and maybe have a chance to win it at home. But, you know, with all things said, I think that, you know, um, I really like where the Niners' odds are. And kind of like you said, how the NFC looks right now and how it's shaping out. It's just, it's phenomenal. It's a great time to be an Irish fan. Um, I'm hoping that they can obviously all everything lines up for them, so that way they can make that run and finally get that elusive number six, uh, you know, Lombardi Trophy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's cover what happened, man. Yesterday. All right, let's talk about yesterday. Let's pull out some of these scores. So we talked about KC beating Vinny. Let's go through the list. Because we did not have a show last week, so we're just going to read off these scores and talk about each one. Well, I want to talk about Thursday. The Bears actually bounced back, being the Commanders. Dick Buckus actually passed away the eve of the game, right before the game, and then the Bears, who were undefe- who had not won a game in 14 weeks, ended up snapping that streak and basically won their first game in 347 days, <laughs> which is basically like one year. Um, <laughs> the Bears are obviously a team. Justin Fields also played remarkable. He had four touchdowns, 289 yards, passing, no picks. The commanders really kind of, they're making me scratch my head as to kind of who are the commanders. I thought they were going to be duking it out for that number two spot in the NFC East, and we talked about them. Heaped up praises on them too, but after the Thursday, I I don't know who this team is. Um, So we'll see. I think, you know, good good on the Bears. Um, Jaguars at Bills in London. Jaguars beat the Bills 25-20. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he had a pretty good game, but uh, I want to say Travis Etienne Jr. basically had 136 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Who ended, He ended up playing himself a fantasy yesterday, so he ended up losing <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> While he won, he won in real life, he, he lost a fantasy. So, you know, but, um, you know, the Jaguars are basically, you know, they're hot a little bit. They got they got a two-game win streak going. They beat, they beat a really good opponent, the Bills, who are basically, if not the top team in the AFC, next to Kansas City, probably a top three or top five team. 
And Jags are now obviously in that conversation too to be top five team in the AFC. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. And now I just have to go there and play. So look forward to that. And I'm going to definitely see because, you know, the secondary needs to be tested a little bit because in the postseason, you're going to play these elite quarterbacks. So, you know, it, 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 was, it was, it's good, you know, to kind of get these tough matchups, you know, to kind of really see what your team has. Saints and Patriots. Oh my gosh. Let's talk about this. 34 0, the worst watch in the Belichick era. Um, you obviously did not like the outcome for a number of reasons, but I mean, let me ask you. Let me ask you this question. I mean, what, what's your take right now on the state of the Patriots? I mean, dude, I think that honestly, man, Belichick needs to retire. He needs is to. Is it Bel- But let me ask you this: Is it Belichick or is it Mac Jones? Man, in that press conference after the game, I mean, Belichick had nothing to say. <laughs> I mean, absolutely nothing. Right. No feedback at all. I think he's the problem, man. It's time for him to step down and give somebody else a chance. So if they had, let's say they had Derek Carr quarterback, do you think that their record would be a little bit different? I think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They need a better quarterback. So would you not give him one more year to draft and see? Because it's not sure his draft is going to be QB rich. So would you not give him that one more year to see what he could do and then basically say, you know, if it doesn't work out, then, you know, thank you for your 25 years of service. You know, don't let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. When was their last winning season? Their last winning season actually was about two years ago when Mac Jones was a rookie. Uh, he led them to the postseason. All right. So do you give Belichick grace then? Do you give him another year? I give him one more year just because, you know, he's Bill Belichick. I give him one more year just to see what he can do if he's able to get a young QB. You know, Mac Jones was, was, was basically a rookie of the year candidate, you know, in his first year. You know, um, I just don't think he's he's the answer, uh, you know, at quarterback, you know, uh, he's been way he's been wildly inconsistent. And, you know, I think that, you know, every you can't replace a Tom Brady, you know, but I do also think there is some validity in what you said regarding kind of, you know, knowing when to hang it up. You know, I think if next year doesn't pan out, I would say Belichick, you know, definitely gets the gets needs to get the, you know, needs to get the axe. Um Chuck Chuck Noll comes to mind. Chuck Noll obviously won four Super Bowls with the Steelers in the eight in the seventies, and in the eighties he coached he coached he coached a pretty long time. I want to say almost like yeah he coached until nineteen eighty two around I want to say from like seventy nineteen seventy to nineteen so almost like around the same tenure as Belichick, and that was also considered egregiously long. Um, you know, but you know the Steelers weren't able to do much in in in, in the eighties. They did have, they did they did have some have some moments in the regular season. Where they beat the '84 Niners, and uh, you know the '84 Niners are arguably one of the greatest teams, if not one. If they are, they're not arguably. They are a, a top team in NFL history, a top five, top ten team in NFL history. Um, the series beat them in regular season. So I mean, it's it's interesting, you know, because these 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 um, these coaches with so much legacy and so much tenure and uh, and, and, and such cachet, right? I mean, you can't just, you know, you can say, yeah, you know, I mean, but the problem which we're trying to solve for was, you know, we don't, they don't have Tom Brady anymore, right? But <laughs> how do you replace Tom Brady, right? That's those are some that's, pretty damn big shoes to fill, right? Yeah, that's so, a, that's a hard task to fill. It's a hard task, right? So, you know, it's, it, I, I don't think there's, there's an actual simple answer to that question. Is it, is it getting rid of Bill Belichick? Is it, get, is it the quarterback? Is it, you know, because football is obviously, it's, it's the most, I want to say, the, the most teams-oriented sport in the sense that one player can, but not really in the sense that, yes, one crucial key starter like like quarterback can make or break a team, but you still need to have the talent around that quarterback, starting from the line to the receivers, you know, obviously having a good run game to rely on, you know, and also your defense. 
to basically make that player make to make that player great. It's, it's football is all about the team. So we need to see. I'm gonna I'm gonna give him one more year to see if he can do anything because so far those these rookies haven't really done much. Um, you know, in, in New England. Juju Smith-Schuster obviously went there for money, and he's not really doing much anyways. He should have stayed in Kansas City, in my opinion. But I'm happy he left because <laughs> it opened yeah. up the four. Um, so we'll see what happens. Okay. Fair enough, man. Yeah. Yes, let's, give Bel- let's give Belichick another year. See what happens, man. I would say one more year, yeah. Just – but that that's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> After that one year, you got to – you know, if, if, if it's not working, then that's it. You know what I mean? Um, right. He'll go somewhere else, but, you know. Anyways, t- Tennessee at Indianapolis, 16-23. Ryan Tannehill was picked off near the end of the game. Gardner Minshew had only 155 yards. Zach Moss outplayed and outgained Derrick Henry. 23 carries for 165 yards and two touchdowns on, on the day. DeAndre Hopkins still had 140 yards for the Titans. Um, but, you know, I mean, this is interesting because it kind of shakes up the AFC South a little bit, right? Because you have the Jaguars who are 3-2. and two. Now you got the tight, not the Titans, the Colts who are also 3-2. and two. Right, and you have the Texans. Well, we're gonna—that's the next thing we're gonna talk about, right? Because I'm sure you have about that one. But um, oh yeah, you know, obviously, obviously, <laughs> you got you got you got an AFC South full of a bunch of young teams, and obviously the Titans were not a young team. Um, but every other team is relatively young. Um, and I'm becoming, you know. So I think the change in that division it's gonna be it's again gonna it's gonna come down to the second half of the season as to who takes it, you know. Um. Ravens at Steelers. Steelers win 17-10. Really shocking, actually. That, that was surprising, man. I didn't think that the Ravens were going to lose that game, man. I had no idea. I didn't know George Pickens was going to have 130 yards on six receptions and a touchdown either. I mean, that's... <laughs> so, I mean, you know, the Steelers obviously come out of the win. Mike Tom, What are they? Are they 3-2? and two? Yeah, they're also 3-2. and two. Mike Tomlin still has the record of most non-losing seasons consecutively. He's never had a losing season in the NFL um for 16 years yeah he's an awesome coach man awesome head coach you know we talked about minority coaches right last like like a few weeks ago you know he's he's the prime example as to why i mean i'm not saying that you know it's just minorities because marcus ogden right he said it's not just that you know african-americans should get the no it's it's about if the coach is qualified right and you know but the problem is there are a lot of great candidates who happen to be african-american but for whatever reason they're not getting the opportunity so that's 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 a gap that needs to be solved for but yeah, obviously the Steelers are now obviously right there in the top of the AFC North. Um, you know, I think it's going to be them. Baltimore will probably may bounce back. I mean, the divisional games are always tough, you know. And so, you know, I mean, shout out Coach Dub. You know, I'm sure that, you know, there might be some, you know, you might be angry at his wideouts probably, probably today or tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I mean, but um, if there's anything like he was at San Jose City College, he's going to be like that. But, you know, I, I think the Steelers are obviously a team you got to look out for. They're a young team, up and coming. That's, that seems to be the trend right now this year. There's a lot of young and upcoming talent, you know, both at the quarterback position, receiver, offensive-wise, right, and just teams, you know, all together. All right, Detroit at Carolina, 42-24. Did you like this game? I'm sure you oh, did, I, right? I love that result. <laughs> yeah, you love that result, man. Talk to me about that game because let me ask you this. Jared Goff had 236 yards and three touchdowns, and the Dave Montgomery had 109 yards and a touchdown. Bryce Young still put up 247 yards, three touchdowns, but he also threw two picks. Adam Steelen for the Panthers had 107 yards receiving in a touchdown. The Panthers haven't won a game. They're one of, you know, I think three or four teams that were still winless in the NFL right now this year. Or maybe they're the only one. What, I I guess there's two parts of this question. One is obviously on, on, on we're going to start with the loser side first. The losers. What do you think about the Panthers right now? What do you, what's your trajectory for them and Bryce Young this year? Do you think that they're a team that can get a win? 
And do you think they can probably finish like, you know, maybe like a little under 500? Or do you think that this is just going to be another kind of, you know, abysmal year for them? I said this at the beginning of our season, man. I hope they end up at the very bottom of the league. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, it's looking like, yes. Yeah, that's what that's how it's turning out. So yeah, I, think, I think they'll probably end up with maybe two or three wins for the season. That's it. Okay, that's fair. Now, on the other side, we talked about the Lions, right? And now we're seeing it come together. Let me look at the record so I can make sure I'm giving you the right. Yep, four and one. So they're right there, you know, right behind the 49ers, right behind the Eagles in that battle supremacy for the for the NFC. Do you think Detroit is a team that can make a deep playoff run? Um, because they are very inexperienced and they're very young, and that's been kind of a knock on them. Yeah, I guess I guess that's how I'm just, I'm just going to put it out there. Do you think Detroit is a team that can make a Super Bowl run this year? No, I don't think they're going to get that far. I really don't. No. Okay. They're going to have some trouble later on in the season, man. Yeah, it's, 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 st- it's still very early. Uh, they still have some some proving to to everybody that they're right. uh, a, a, a playoff tier team. I don't think they're going to get that far, though. Man. So let's look at the remaining schedule because I want to just run through that. So the Buccaneers, Tampa Bay, they're going to be at Tampa Bay. I think they get the win. They're going to be at Baltimore. That might be a tough game, right, going to Baltimore. The Raiders come to town. They should easily win that game. They go to L.A. Chargers. Chargers are kind of inconsistent, so I think they can win that game. The Bears come to town. Depends on which version of the Bears, but I still think they will win that game. The Packers, I mean, we saw them beat the Packers handily. The Saints, they'll probably destroy the Saints. They'll play the Bears again at Chicago. The Broncos are arguably right there with the Panthers and that worst team in the NFL right now. Um, the Lions, who have looked unimpressive at best twice, and the Cowboys, the Lions at Cowboys. You know, like you're right. So I can see some games, like you said, those divisional games, and, you know, maybe the Saints, maybe not the Saints. I would say probably the, the Cowboys. You know, I mean, in the Ravens, right? So there's like maybe two or three games, which I see, you know, them having some struggle. But I really think this team can make a NFC championship run. I mean, this is a very, very good team. When you talk about offensively, not just in the receiving game, but in the in the running game with David Montgomery, you know, obviously, you know how good they are defensively. The problem, though, actually, no, I can't say that because my guy, E-Man, Emmanuel Mosley from the Niners, he, he tore his ACL on the second play of the game. So they, that's a huge loss. Emmanuel Mosley was one of the best corners on the 49ers. And so him coming to Detroit was a game changer. I don't know who, who his backup is, um, but you're right. I think that's going to hurt them down the stretch. You need to have that premier corner. And then you can see you can see with Dallas, right? Without Trayvon Diggs, you know, they don't really have anyone to lock up a, a team's number one or number two. Very true. And so, yeah, I mean, but with that said, I do think they are the third best team in the NFC. Um, you know, because I do think Jared Goff is also an MVP, MVP candidate. Um, I think that, like I said, on the offensive side of the ball, you know, they're really good. They've improved tremendously on the defensive side of the ball. I think Aiden Hutchinson is a defensive player of the year candidate. Um, this, I mean, they're only going to get better, you know. If not this year, definitely watch out for them next year. So, you know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. They definitely, yeah. They're, they're a team to watch out for, for sure. Yeah, they are. Okay. So, Houston at Atlanta. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, Everybody was getting uh, Desmond Ritter a, a bunch of trash talk <laughs> because of his performance, especially uh, last week, right? But in this London? week, yeah, no that that was that was an awful performance on on both right, sides right. of the ball. Yeah, yeah. But but what what happened that was different yesterday? The offensive line protected that that dude, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Zero sacks. He had eleven sacks in the past two games. Yeah, and he had three hundred and twenty nine yards passing. Yep. So, I mean, stellar performance on, on his part. 
uh, laser pinpoint accuracy on every single pass that he had yesterday. And what was the difference? It was pass protection. Yeah, I think the pass protection, the pass protection was the biggest thing. I think he actually had a pretty good day. 28, 37, 329 yards and a touchdown. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, he had, that, a, he had that, a great he was game. Cooking. Yeah, he was cooking. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I he this is Desmond's second year in the NFL. Am I correct? Right. Okay. So, so he, yeah, he's only he's the same age as Zach, and we're gonna talk about Zach Wilson as well as can we already talk about Brock Purdy? He's in that tier of like extremely young quarterbacks, you know, not named Trevor Lawrence, who is not like you know a a blue chip prospect, but basically kind of you know fighting you know to get their name you know and establish you know establish a name for themselves in the league, you know I. I you know, you're right. I mean, I think you have to give him time to develop. The issue with Trey Lance was that I never saw, even though everyone kept harping on it, the Niners fans who were basically in Camp Trey when it was Camp Jimmy before Brock came. And even after Brock, you know, a lot, even after Brock kind of, you know, cemented himself as a starter, you know, a lot of Niners fans saying, oh, you know, we he's a mediocre quarterback. His arm strength sucks. We need a quarterback with a strong arm, a lot of Steve Young, a lot of Joe Montana. Joe Montana actually didn't have a strong arm. He developed it. Um, but he was, but that's why you know all, it was all up in here. That's how it come. He became the most dominant quarterback of all time before a Thomas Edward Brady Jr. Right. Um, but that said, I think the the Falcons obviously are in a good spot. Um, rebuilding year, but if I'm not right. mistaken, yep, three and two. So <laughs> right there in the top of the NFC South, the Saints, and um, yeah, man. I mean, I, I think the Buccaneers are in there too, right? Yeah, the Buccaneers actually are three and one, but uh, they they had a bye week. Okay, so the Buccaneers did not play. You're right, and I apologize. I wasn't following the Buccaneers after they got you know demolished by the Eagles. That was a <laughs> pick on my part. I know Baker Mayfield was at the that OU game off college football Saturdays. You know, firing the red rifle. Obviously, you know OU beat the Longhorns, which I was so angry about. God, you know, hook him. But anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. So all things said, Falcons rebuilding team. Um, if Desmond can be consistent, then we'll see. Then the Falcons definitely have something. Um, now, however, on the flip side, if he starts to, you know, fall, falter a little bit, right? Both in his play, if the Falcons start losing some games, I think Arthur Smith's job is basically going to be called for because of what we talked about regarding the questionable play calling. And obviously, a guy in Colorado who might end up getting called, you know, to be that head coach uh, of his first NFL team, the Atlanta Falcons, right? But you know, he said Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, I said he's he, he's not interested in going to the NFL, right? Things can change, though. I mean, things can change, right? I mean, yeah, things can def- but, definitely change. Things can definitely change. So, I mean, that's going to be interesting. Now, on the other side of the ball, Texans, like I said, I mean, they're also – they're two and three, so they're one game back. But, you know, I mean, C.J. Stroud is looking good, but he had 249 yards and a touchdown. Dean Pierce has 60 yards. So, yeah, I mean, and D'Amico Ryan's in his first year as head coach. This is great for him. Um Winning, losing, you learn from a loss. I thought I forgot to mention when we talk about the Niners, Richard Sherman and Keyshawn Johnson, undisputed today, said it's better if they lose rather than go undefeated. Because when you lose, you learn in that loss and what you need to improve upon. Because when the playoffs come, you're playing the best of the best. You want to be ready, you know, to basically be you know mentally prepared. Losing in the regular season is so much better than losing the playoffs <laughs> for a number of yeah, reasons. True. Um, you know, so I mean. Again, I mean, the Texans in a rebuilding year, completely different ball game. But I think if the Niners can learn, if the Niners can lose maybe one or two games and still get the NFC's number one seats locked up, that's great. Anyways, we'll have tangent there. Let's go to our next matchup. Uh, Dolphins at Giants, 31-16. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa, two touchdowns, two picks, 308 yards passing. Daniel Jones, 
So a chain had another monster game on the ground, 151 yards and a touchdown. Tyreek Cheetah Hill is a monster with 181 yards receiving on only eight receptions and a touchdown. Miami is looking like the number one offense like they did the first three weeks before they played Buffalo last week. New York on the other side. Daniel Jones, what is your take right now on Daniel Jones? Because I am not seeing enough to me really to really kind of – they gave him the $40 million this offseason. I'm not seeing enough to, to maintain that commitment. Yeah, uh, I I don't need the man. I mean, I, I don't see his performance commensurate with that salary. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> do you? <laughs> I think he was. I think he was overdrafted. Colin Coward said best. He was overdrafted at number six, right? He was overdrafted at number six. Anyways, you know, basically, you know, he said, "Yeah, if we don't draft, no one else did." Trying to defend the pick, but no, I mean, everyone knew he wasn't the best pick, right? Um, you know, it's it's yeah. The Giants are are done. The 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 Dolphins, on the other hand, you know, they're in that they're still number one in the AFC East. Um, it's gonna be them, the Bills. I think the Bills might edge them out. I'm kind of reversing the pick we had at the beginning of the year because after seeing how they got dominated by the Bills at you know at Buffalo, it's hard for me to say the Dolphins are gonna win the division because they're still not there quite yet. If that makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. Bengals are Cardinals, 34-20. George, Joe, uh, George, Joe, Joe Burrow basically had 317 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. And he was just, and he had like, he was remarkable. I I mean, the Bengals are looking like they're bouncing back. They're now two and three, one game back. I mean, they are right there. Yeah, the I AFC see some, North. I see some resurgence on their part. Yeah, so you got to watch out. Now he's got to go there and play it. I mean, shit. But, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be interesting, right? I mean, to see if Joe Burrow can maintain this. I don't know the extent of his calf injury and if it's injured. It looks healthy now. I mean, so, you know, let's see. Let's see. Eagles at Rams 23-14. Everyone said best game of the weekend, blah, 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 blah. Let me look at the stats. I didn't watch this game. I didn't either, but, let's you know. Let's see. Matt Stafford, 222 yards, a t- two touchdowns. Joe Hurst, 303 yards, touchdowns, and a pick. Jalen Hurts was their leading rusher, 15 carries, 70 yards, and a touchdown. A.J. Brown had 127 yards receiving. I mean, of course, you know, they, they held the Rams. The defense did their job. They held them to only two scores. Niners held the Rams to three scores, 23 points, right? But, I mean, it's it's not that much. I mean, they, they won by nine points. Niners beat the Rams by seven points. This game doesn't really mean much to me. Um, I think the, the visual game is always tougher, and I think the Eagles can be beat. That's just my opinion. So, Moving right along, Jets at Broncos. Uh, oh, man, this game was interesting because Jack Wilson and Brees Hall. Let's talk about Brees Hall. 177 yards on the ground and a touchdown on 22 carries. I mean, Russell Wilson had two touchdowns and almost 200 yards passing. But, you know, Zach Wilson is now kind of – we're seeing a new resurgence of Zach Wilson in the sense that you saw how he played well, how well he played on Sunday Night Football against Kansas City, almost winning that game. Right. Now you see him win a game. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe the defense won the game. Sure. You know, Zach Wilson didn't have impressive stats. Sure. But Zach Wilson, obviously, you know, if he keeps this up, I mean, then he can he definitely make a case for him being that number two guy. If not, you know, have you taken that spot and continuing it to continue with it, you know, in the future. Because Zach Wilson is still the future of this franchise. Um, you know, that's why they got Aaron Rodgers to help kind of, you know, keep him. They would have cut Zach Wilson otherwise if they really felt Aaron was that guy. And so I think I think it's good for his confidence. Jets are also kind of you know not necessarily a rebuilding team, but they're building, right? Um, so you know, good for them. And on the other side, the Broncos, everything that you can imagine is going wrong with the Broncos. I mean, Sean Payton <laughs> as head coach is not getting the troops in order. 
Russell Wilson is just not gelling with the game plan. I mean, I'm reading that players don't like Russell Wilson right now. They're not happy with him leadership. leadership. Right. Players were complaining about Zach Wilson the same way, but now that he's won, I think he's going to get that locker room on his side because Robert Sala basically said, I'm going to stick with Zach. I'm not going to go after a marquee free agent at QB. And you're still, you're starting to see that investment pay off, and that's where you really earn the trust of your teammates, right? Now, with the Russell Wilson type figure, you know, obviously to get the trust of your teammates, you have to win some games, right? And so far, they've won one game against Chicago, and they're one and four. What do you think and is going on with him, man? Is it all the distraction off the field? I think it's off the field, but I also think just that that defense is horrible. I mean, that defense can't do anything. They can't stop a nosebleed. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> they've, they've, they've allowed 30 points in, like, back-to-back-to-back games. Let me actually look it up because I'm interested. Okay. Well, 28 points against against the, the Bears, which they won by 31. They were out 70 against the Broncos. They on 35 against the Commanders. They played the Raiders tough, but the Raiders won that game. They allowed 17 that game. So outside of the Raiders game, they've allowed on average of basically around 35 plus points a game or 30 plus points a game, right? So I think it's just that defense. I think Russ is not what he used to be. He can't carry the team on his back and let Russ cook. He can't cook anymore. You know what I mean? So it's it's a combination of things. The play calling isn't helping Russ Wilson, but Russell Wilson is helping Russ Wilson. Yeah. And you couple that with a defense that can't stop anyone, what do you really have at the end of the day? Yeah, you don't have anything. Right. And I think back and couple that with the off the field stuff, couple that with the head coach, you know, going on press conferences saying that, you know, it's the QB's fault, this and that, you know, don't look at me, look at someone else. You know, he he doesn't the the issue, Colin Coward said it best. The issue with with wanting to be the man and being having all the control. Once shit hits the fan, you have nowhere else to point. All the blame is on you, right? So all the blame is on Mr. Sean Payton, right? There's no Mickey Loomis. You know, there's no Greg whatever, right? The bounty gate. There's no one else to point the finger at. He doesn't have a Drew Brees. Russell Wilson, I don't care what anyone says. As great as a quarterback Russell Wilson is, he is not in the same tier as Drew Brees. Okay, that's just my personal opinion, you know? Yeah, I know true. you hate Drew Brees. That's fine. But, but I, he, you know, he, I, just, I mean, he was a great quarterback, though. He was a great quarterback. He's an all-time great quarterback. A top 10 all-time quarterback, right? So... Russell Wilson is is the type type of player, you know, he relied a lot on his athleticism. I thought he could definitely make he made a lot outside of his athleticism, you know. But when I say athleticism, not, not that he's a dual quarterback in the sense he is, but he was it wasn't so much that what I mean what I mean isn't necessarily his ability to run and make plays with his legs, which obviously is missing. I'm saying his ability to to escape his escapability like a big big Ben Roethlisberger, escape, you know, pressure and basically make plays and improvise on the fly, you know, still basically staying behind line of scrimmage and making magic work with his arm. But that's just not there anymore. You know, you know, not to say that, you know, he played, I mean, two, 2200 yards and two touchdowns is not bad, right? Brock Purdy threw 250 yards and four touchdowns, but it, it, it like, what's like, what plays are you making to make that happen? Right. You know, are they impact plays, right. To basically put your team position to obviously like, you know, get more points like Brock did numerous times last night. No, they're not. They're basically empty calorie yards, and you know maybe most of the yards are coming after catch. You know, Brock Purdy actually is now the the issue with previous quarterbacks in San Francisco was that you know they rely too much on the yards after catch to get those numbers. Brock Purdy is basically those are air yards, like you, like we talked about, right? It's coming from his from the air, and um, you know I think that Denver has a litter of problems right now, and um, it it can't be fixed overnight. I really thought Sean Payton was going to help kind of set the tone. But right now, with the team being where it is, I mean, 
you know, and obviously the management, they don't want to put the blame on Russ because they've invested $252 million in Russell Wilson. But again, no back what we said about Daniel Jones, you give the guy the money. If he doesn't produce, then you got to, you know, <laughs> cut your losses and get your money back. Right. So <laughs> I mean, if you don't get your money back, at least stop the bleeding. Right. So, you know, it, it's, it's a litany of problems right now for Denver. Um, Casey at Vikings, where he talked about that. Now as a Cowboys, we talked about that in length. I want to close my this week. Obviously, Packers played tonight. Raiders, I got the Packers winning that. The Raiders are just also in our mess in the AFC West. You know, obviously, I want I want to close this 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 kind of this segment. We did the week four recap, week five recap, right? What we learned was that obviously, you know, there's a lot of good teams coming up who are otherwise struggling the first couple of weeks, but we don't know who really is the top dog in some areas. We don't know who the top dog in the AFC North is. We don't know who the top dog in the AFC South is. We don't know who's basically going to take the AFC East. Um, so a lot of question marks across the board. Um, yeah, and the NFC too. In the NFC, right? But we do know who the top two are in the AFC. You know, we do know, you know, KC's obviously in there for the top two of the AFC, but who's the number two team? I, I still don't know. Is it Buffalo? Doesn't seem like that, I, that like the yesterday. Is it Jacksonville? Yeah we, yeah, we don't know yet. Is it Cincinnati? Are they going to come back and make, because they're a second half team, right? I think ultimately what you have to take away from these couple weeks is that every couple, you know, every week it's week to week in the NFL, right? Unless you have a team like the San Francisco 49ers who have been consistent wire to wire week to week, right? Um, or a team like Patrick Mahomes, who's a second half team. And because they have Patrick Mahomes, you can never count them out, right? So with all that said, I mean, it's a very, very interesting. It's a very interesting paradigm and paradox to see where it all kind of shapes up. You know, I think the the bottom line is that I think when it comes down, push comes to shove, and we're down to our final four. I think I'm going to still put San Francisco and Philly in there um, if Philly doesn't get upset prior to that. And I'm going to put an AFC. I'm going to put KC, and you know that 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 number two spot in the AFC can be can be up for grabs. Um, but you know, I'm liking the 49ers' chances to you know get some you know revenge from if they end if they end up making and playing KC. They could definitely get some revenge, you know, um, against the Chiefs, you know. But it would have been nice if they could have made a corner trade, like made trade for Patrick Sertain the second. But, you know, is uh, he's the best player. And one more thing to note is Randy Gregory, who the Niners just acquired from the Denver Broncos, is now basically cleared to play. So this next week when they go transfer to Cleveland – or not transfer, tra- travel to Cleveland to go play at, at Cleveland. If Randy Gregory suits up, we're going to see now with Randy Gregory, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, and Nick Bosa – on the field at the same time. I mean, I am very curious to see how that pass rush looks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Lastly, the Niners are 5-0 and for the first time since 2019, the last time which they made the Super Bowl. Niners have also won 14 straight, which is one shy of the franchise record if they win next week against Cleveland. They tie the record. If they win after that, then they basically set the record. Okay? Dating back to week eight of last year. Niners are obviously a very, very good team. But, and like I said, with this offense now scoring over 30 points a game in the first five weeks, you know, this is almost a shift in identity. We never saw the Niners offensively dominate teams the way they have now. And like I said, the reason for that is the innovative offense of Kyle Shanahan, the addition of Chris McCaffrey midseason last year, and the emergence of a Brock Purdy. So, with all that said, I think the Niners are in a great spot to kind of, you know, run the table. I'm not saying they're going to run the table yet. I think they will, you know, in my, in my home rhythm, kind of heart of hearts. Right. Um, but I, I think that I want to see how well they play against Seattle and against Philly. 
Um, but I do think that they are significantly better than all the teams running on their schedule. Only question mark being Philly. How much better are they than Philly? Because we haven't seen Philly at their best. Or maybe we have. You know, I think maybe with these key losses, you know, we've seen them at their best. We saw them play great yesterday. So, you know, maybe, you know, Philly is at their best. And we'll see, you know, who the true top dog is in that Week 12 matchup when they have to go travel to Philadelphia for the NFC Championship rematch. So that's pretty much it for Week 4. Yes, sir. So, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. We will be back next week to recap Week 6. Yes, sir. Take care.